This episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry is brought to you by Densdeck Roofboards. To learn more, go to densdeck.com slash stop callbacks. Welcome to this special edition of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry podcast, a production of NRCA. I am your host, Jared Ribble. This podcast is going to be a little different today. It's the holiday season. And as we finish out the year, I think it would be good to take time and reflect on where we've been and what we've learned. In this episode, we are going to do just that. I'm going to rewind the tape on some of this year's past episodes, and maybe you will see something you missed. Maybe something that you can take into the new year to better your company, your employees, and maybe even your family. But as we get started, I don't want you to forget about another podcast series I have been enjoying, Roofing Road Trips with Heidi Ellsworth. Roofing Road Trips is a great resource for the latest news and information from the roofing industry. Multi-generational roofing companies are a foundational fabric of the roofing industry. And this past year, we told you the stories of a few of them. We told you about Joseph A. Piper. Three generations later, his company is still growing strong in Greenville, South Carolina. Then we learned about the Seaman Corporation going on four successful generations. And of course, not to be outdone, you heard about the M.W. Powell Roofing Company in Chicago. This year, they are celebrating 175 years in business. Do you remember how many generations have run their business? Seven! Go back and listen to those stories. They are fascinating pieces of roofing history. Those stories were not necessarily about how to make multi-generational businesses successful, but there were lessons to be learned. This one from Richard Seaman and his daughter Carrie captured me. What you teach your children to begin with, number one is what the value and the treasure of family business is. That it's not just about the family, but it's about all the families that work for you and, and, and the opportunity you're creating for those livelihoods. But secondly, that it's a role of stewardship and ownership that's important. Not every family member is the right fit to actively work within the daily operations of the business. You know, that word stewardship, Richard said, is interesting. Let's unpack stewardship with Carrie Alt. She is Richard Seaman's daughter and third generation to work in the business. The idea of active stewardship and supporting your family business without working in the business was introduced to us about 25 years ago. So it was the late 90s, and our family began having meetings around business ownership, where we began to learn the difference between working for the business as having your career in the business, working in operations of the business, serving on the board of directors and and, um, working on the governance aspect of the business, and then then being an owner, a shareholder, a steward of the business. You don't have to feel obligated to have your career in the business if you want to be an active steward or shareholder of the family business. And you want to see that your parents' culture and legacy continues. Then if they want to have their career in the business, I think that's fine. I think the first thing is to be sure to recognize there's three components to a business. There's the ownership of the business, there's the governance of the business, and then there's the leadership or management of the business. 
And those are three very distinct kinds of responsibilities that have their own roles. We like to look at it as like a set of hats and which hat are you wearing in the business? And it's very important that you understand that. If you try to put somebody in to be a leader, you know, a family member or not, but specifically a family member, to be a leader of the business and they don't appreciate the importance of stewardship from an ownership standpoint, or if you haven't built a governance process, the chances of success are minimized quite a bit. Any business owner that has any expectation of passing their business on to the next generation should really focus on the governance process and build a good independent outside board of directors. First of all, the outside board of directors is an incredible resource to the owner that's, that's running the business. But secondly, it can provide the balance with the ownership, the, the children of the next generation, make them understand their role as owners versus running the business itself. We have a great foundation and good relationships and a strong professional management team and a strong outside board of directors. And if all of those pieces are aligned, it's a win. This point hits home with me personally. I was the third generation. My grandfather started the roofing company. My father and uncle took it over from him. And I am sure my dad would have loved to have me carry on the torch. But he allowed me to make my own path. Obviously, eventually my path led back to the roofing industry. But if you catch me in a private moment, I'd tell you that I'm sad that the roofing company my grandpa started is not still in the family. So I found Seaman's suggestion here brilliant for all the moms and dads running the family business, living at the crossroads of wanting their children to take over the family business, yet can tell the heir has their own talents and interests. Richard and Carrie lay out a path to succession that allows for both the parents and the children to have their cake and eat it too. Although, when the next generation does get involved, there could be some tension as the new mixes with the traditional. I liked this anecdote from Bill McHugh, the Chicago Roofing Contractors Association Executive Director. And I got to tell you, they're bringing some really cool ideas, helping add to what's already great here and giving their own mix. They've already flipped upside down our trade show, for instance. Uh, the CRCA trade show used to have Everybody in the same booth, basically, for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, maybe a little movement. And one of our young people came in and said, guess what? It's going to be a random number generator for people to get their booth next year. Nobody's going to be in the same place. Can you imagine what the exhibitor said? It was, what? you got to be kidding me. The, the purpose was to try to get people to walk to different places they've never been before. Because people would come into the trade show, go to the same place where their friends were, and that's all they go. They go and leave. <laughs> so what it did is kind of mixed up the trade show, gave it a very fresh look and a very fresh feel. Just one of the changes that, uh, that the young crowd brought in, which is really cool. Our emerging leaders group, quite active. Our women in roofing group, quite active with a lot of young people. So I'm really bullish, frankly, on the future of our industry because of the talent that's coming in behind us to do some really cool things, I think. And what's nice is that they're asking questions, crazy. How come you guys did this? Why'd you do that? And they wanna know why and go, okay, we'll adjust a little bit, but I get where you're going, let's just keep it. And 
fly forward with some changes, of course, that they're going to put their mark on, which is really cool. But let's fly. And it's just awesome to see. It can be uncomfortable for young ideas to be taken seriously. To the young, I say keep bringing them. To the generation that has seen and done it all, give the young guys' ideas a shot. If you don't, those ideas will likely dry up, and when the obstacles come your way, you may find yourself in a desert void of the creativity required to produce the solution. And speaking of problems needing creative solutions, I hope you have been inspired by this year's stories you've heard of roofers not ever throwing in the towel when the going got tough. Remember M.W. Powell? He helped build the city of Chicago during the explosive growth period of the mid-1850s, only to experience the devastation of the Great Chicago Fire. Chicago would rebuild on the backs of roofers and M.W. Powell's problem-solving. Here is Rod Petrick. After the Chicago Fire, the city came back to the roofing contractors and said, how are we going to prevent this? And they went to Colonel Powell and, you know, they came out and, you know, let's let's look at putting gravel on roofs. Back then, that was a new idea, but their, their philosophy back then was rocks won't burn. And how are we going to protect these buildings so that as all cities, not just Chicago, but all cities, as they built up and the, the buildings became denser and denser, closer together, you know, they were, you know, as you look at it, they were probably starting to dabble in code work back then is, you know, how are we going to design a roof that will better protect the structure and the people that live in it? M.W. Powell actually invented and patented several systems way back in the 1870s, 1880s that helped with fire resistance, a, a modified built-up roof kind of assembly with tile on. What does the tile do? It provides a fire resistance. What's the built-up roof do that was invented here? Well, with gravel on top of it, it provides fire resistance. Not necessarily hourly rated fire resistance, but if a burning brand falls on it that's a, a certain size, it's not going to burn through the roof assembly and catch the rest of the building on fire. Back in the 1970s, there was a successful new single-ply roof system in Europe. We told you the story of how it was shattering in the U.S., and how Brian Whalen went to work to fix this head-scratching problem. There's two reasons why the shattering took place. One is it was poorly formulated. Let's face it, in, in the United States, the climate range is so dramatic. You know, these single plies started in Europe a few years earlier than in the United States. And their climate is much more moderate. We've got... Dallas, Texas, we've got, you know, Arizona, we've got the Northeast and the Midwest. So, you know, to try to make one membrane that works in all of our U.S. climates is not so easy. So I was the assistant technical director at the time. You know, again, this company came from Switzerland. And at the time, we didn't even have a plant here in the United States. And construction is different in Europe. My job was to develop all the specifications and all the details that would reflect construction here in the U.S. And again, I give the Swiss credit. They built a product that could be used everywhere and it weathered very well. So that was number one, the formulation. The second thing is the reinforcement. If you don't have a, a reinforced thermoplastic of any kind, I don't care if it's TPO or PVC, it moves, it expands and contracts a lot. 
That's what the reinforcement does. It gives its tear resistance, but gives its dimensional stability as well. Today, PVC roof systems can be found on some of the world's most famous buildings. Remember last season's episode, Roofing Jerry's World? Yep, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is a PVC roof system and the DFW airport nearby. And speaking of DFW, remember the story recounting the decades King of Texas worked on the roofs of that airport? The challenges of roofing an active airport required creative solutions and flexibility. They were in the middle of roofing Terminal D when the unexpected happened. Here is Nelson Brady. I got a call from our, our superintendent out on that project, and we were laying, we were laying roof. It was a fully adhered uh, Sarnafil PVC system. You know, they had been working since 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. They had insulation laid out. They had insulation screwed down to the deck. 9-11 happened, and of course, the, the people on the crew didn't know anything about it. Security people came up on the roof and said, drop what you're doing, get off the building, get out of here. And they said, well, we have this exposed insulation. We can't, can't leave it this way. We have to cover it up. And they said, you don't understand. I said, get out of here, stop what you're doing, and just leave it. So our crew uh, left the job, insulation laid out, materials wherever it was, tools wherever it was, and left the job. And we were not allowed back onto that job for about three weeks before we could get back onto that project. Subsequent to 9-11, that entire project was redesigned on the fly. As it was being built, changes were being made to reflect new security ideas, new security protocols that were going to be built into all new airports. The problem was they were trying to build <laughs> build them into an airport that was well along the line. But everything changed. So the whole design was of the building was being changed while we were roofing the building, which created a whole <laughs> uh, nightmare scenario, actually, in terms of, of doing things. And then they'd give you a set of drawings and say, no, 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 this is the way we want it. So tear this all out and start over. And it was quite a challenge. So far, we have picked up a few tips how to keep a business in the family and gathered more evidence of just how resilient and creative roofers can be. But you can't tell stories of roofers without quickly revealing the fact that roofers are tremendously... Eh, we'll reveal that and more in a moment, but first. Your roof job from six months ago is calling and it's probably not to say thank you. Remember when they said a coverboard didn't matter? That's because building owners don't always think about the battering their rooftops may take over a lifetime. Densdeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs like solar panels or HVAC, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Make sure Densdeck roof board doesn't get value engineered out of your next job. You'll strengthen your rooftops and your client relationships. Visit densdeck.com slash stopcallbacks for more information. Through this past year of stories, we have been reminded roofers are family-oriented, and we have learned there are ways to keep roofing in the family while recognizing the next generation's individual talents and career paths. 
We have been inspired by the stories of roofers' creativity, ingenuity, and tenacity to not allow problems to be insurmountable. But we have also shared stories which have shown roofers are tremendous givers. Take Stephanie Baird of Bliss Roofing, for example. When there's a roofing project that is being called out, Chris from Home Builders Foundation often will let me know, hey, I've got another project. Or sometimes if it's been quiet, like in 2021 with the COVID, everything was quiet. I'm like, hey, do you have anything? Do you have anybody that has some needs? And he hooked us up with those three projects for this year. So I, I guess that was one of the reasons I reach out to him and say, hey, you know, let's get let's get dirty. Let's get some stuff done this year. What do you got going on versus waiting for him to call me? Stephanie's team has roofed shelters for homeless veterans and abused women, youth drop-off centers, and food shelters. She is constantly looking for ways to give to her community. But what I found fascinating about her story was the effect it has on her business. We built a culture here that's like any other I've ever seen. And a lot of our people are lifers here. We have some of our installers that have been with us for 20 years. A lot of our staff have been here for 20 plus years. So it's not like it's just me. A lot of people have been here a long time and, and will go down, you know, retire here as well as I'm going to. If you create an environment for which people want to participate, that's the key. There's just something about a giving culture that attracts good people that want to stick around for the long haul. If your company is struggling to attract talent, you may want to consider fishing on this side of the boat. I met Shane Havens from Legacy Restoration when he attended a conference I was teaching. Shane told me his daughter had been murdered in the Bahamas, and he agreed to share his story with us. Go back and listen to the episode, Sweet Joseph Lily. It is a heart-wrenchingly beautiful story how Shane took his pain and channeled it into helping young children in the Bahamas achieve a higher education. I only plan on doing a one-year scholarship just in the year that she was going to graduate, you know, to just honor her. Scott Mullins, um, the owner of Legacy Restoration, said, you know what, we believe that you're capable of doing more and we'd like to be a, a main contributor of this. We'd like you to think about how you can make this a yearly thing instead of just a one-year situation. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty cool. And they committed to being a, a huge participant in this and raised enough money for the first year. And then uh, Legacy said, we want to at least award at least one scholarship a year ourselves. We're going to take care of one full student a year. And then you raise the money for the other students. A giving culture attracts quality people. And this holiday season, if you don't know where to start with giving, follow the example of Legacy Restoration. Look to the people that work for you and invest in the causes that matter to them. As we close out this year, I want to offer a few thank you notes. First, it's exciting that we have grown this year and there are two people that work behind the scenes helping make these episodes happen. Without our production team of Alex Wart and Crystal Ribble, these stories simply would not be told. Also, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Densdeck. 
Densdeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Folks, they are not just for new construction jobs. Make sure you consider Densdeck for your re-roofing needs as well. It has been a tremendous year telling these extraordinary stories from the roofing industry. Thank you for being a regular listener. If you find this podcast valuable, you know, someone else will too. Share it with them, won't you? And give it a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. You know, it's time for me to head off and celebrate the holidays with my family. I hope wherever you are listening, you are well, safe, and proud of this great industry. I am your host, Jared Ribble. See you in the new year. I've got some exciting news. Starting in January, NRCA is launching a new monthly podcast series, Growing America's Roofing Workforce. Join us in a series of conversations with new co-hosts, panelists, and each episode discussing a central topic, how to recruit, retain, and train the future of the roofing industry. From what you can do in your community to what national initiatives NRCA is engaged in, tune in to Growing America's Roofing Workforce.